everybody, Kendra the Vet Tech here, and today we're headed down another career path as a credentialed veterinary technician. I am super excited about today's episode, something really great and unique for you guys. Here today with Instagram's Vet Tech and Travel, here with Amber and LVT. So welcome, Amber. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yes. Happy to be here in what is morning time for you or morning time for me in, <laughs> see, I can't even keep it straight. Morning right. time for me, but nighttime for you because you are coming yep. to us from where today? Chiang Mai, Thailand. That is my home right now. <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll get into that a little more later. I usually kind of like to follow the same trek so people can stay on track with us. First, I want you to tell us about your path to and through veterinary medicine. So usually sure. start out with, was this your initial career path or were you headed in another direction? Tell us about yourself. Yeah. So I think my career path probably started similarly to a lot of people. I grew up loving animals and, um, I started working as a kennel tech when I was about 16. It was my first job. Uh, just cause I wanted to make sure if this was really what I wanted to go to college for. And after that, I realized, you know what, I really like this. I looked up to a lot of the technicians that I was working with and decided to go to school. Um, I went to uh, Cedar Valley. They have a vet tech program in Lancaster, Texas, and that's where I went to school. And in your last semester of school, you know how they have you um, do like your where you study at a clinic, basically, for that last yeah, semester. Yeah. They, they use so many different skills. words. Yeah. Like I know. That's why I was like, I'm just going to say the thing. Yeah. <laughs> I studied. Yeah. They made me work at a uh, work at a clinic. So that's what I did. But I wanted to do something a little different. You know, everybody was going to general practice and um, I was okay with that, but I just wanted to dive in the deep end. And I went around to a bunch of different emergency animal hospitals asking if they would be interested in just letting me do my internship and in exchange kind of have it as a long working interview. And then if everything goes well, maybe after I graduated, I could get hired. So I found an ER near my house that was super keen to the idea. So I actually did my internship at an ER and it was incredible. And once I graduated, they officially hired me. So I started off in emergency medicine. I did work in general practice, like as a kennel tech when I was younger, but this was really my first experience as like a full-fledged technician, just yeah. right into ER. First big and girl job. Exactly. In the veterinary field, at least for sure. Yeah, I loved it. And I ended up working at that emergency animal hospital on and off for six years. But it was in 2015, it was kind of like a graduation gift to myself and my family helped as well. I went to Thailand as a graduation gift and I actually went with Loop Abroad. It's a veterinary travel program and they offered two weeks working at the Elephant Nature Park in Chiang Mai, Thailand, where I am now, and also working at a dog shelter. And that was my first international adventure. So I went right after I graduated. And from that moment on, I realized I really love this and I really want to make an effort to make this a regular part of my life. But at that point, I wasn't quite ready to jump into the deep end, <laughs> like where I am right now. So for the next few years of my life, I basically just worked around the clock at the ER and just saved for one big volunteer trip a year. I would use all of my vacation time, all of my sick time to go spend about a month in one location a year and volunteer. And I just got to the point that I realized like, I was so tired of living for those experiences. Like my entire year was all about that one experience. It would end and then it would be time to start all over again. Oh. I was getting really frustrated with that. So I realized, you know, I have to find a way to 
combine my love of travel and my love of veterinary medicine. And there was, of course, a few bumps in the road along the way, but it eventually led to me starting uh, my writing business. I always really loved writing. And with my experience at the ER and also now being licensed, I realized that there was an opportunity to work remotely as a vet tech in the online space. And I basically started reaching out to different pet health blogs, asking if I could write for them. And I spent about four to six months doing it for free just to get to build up a portfolio. Yeah. And yeah, after that time frame of kind of balancing working at the ER and writing for free on the side, I eventually had enough work that I got hired by websites and fast forward about six months into that. And I was able to quit my job at the ER. I was writing for multiple pet health websites. And here I am today, three years later, working remotely and living internationally. So that's what I'm doing still. That's awesome. I want to break down a lot of those things a little bit (laughs) more here, but before we get too far, you know, I always like to kind of circle back to things that I think are super valuable that listeners bring to the table here. So anybody who is listening, who hasn't gotten into this yet and is young, you know, high school folks, Amber has a great point and a great pathway for you guys getting in there early, getting your feet wet, getting in with these clinics it can even lead to a job too, right? We always want to hire within our own ranks and promote within our own ranks. So getting in with those clinics when you're in high school, not only does it give you that exposure, a lot of people are really confused. Like, do I want to be a veterinarian? Do I want to be, well, and half a step back, a lot of people say, I want to be a veterinarian. And then they get in a clinic and they're like, oh, okay, this is what this is all about. This is what all these roles are. So it's great for young people in that way to kind of get down the right path as soon as you can really foot in the door for a job later. So, so many great things can come out of this. And, and I think that's awesome. That's an awesome thing to kind of bring to the forefront here. Uh, Even if you're not a high schooler, even if you're not a high schooler, it's, it's a great foot or first job. If, if you don't know anything about veterinary medicine, 100%. And then you can start to chat to people that work at the clinic with you and get an idea of what could lie ahead in the future. So yeah, I agree. (laughs) Yes. And okay. So doing, doing all of this awesome travel, essentially not living for the weekend kind of life (laughs) for about three years then is, is what we're looking at. Did you have any, you said you started out just doing uh, free riding because you didn't have any experience. So uh, no, no additional schooling either. It doesn't sound like. No, the only thing that I did do that I kind of brush over sometimes um, is that I did an online course to learn how to be a virtual assistant because I knew that I I wanted to transition into the online space, but I didn't know how. It's called the 90 Day VA. It's just a virtual assistant internship online. And it was really wonderful in the sense that it taught me kind of the ins and outs of what clients are looking for, the different programs that you use online, um, social media management, content creation, all those things, things that you don't learn really in veterinary medicine, (laughs) because how would we have the time? Like some of us do manage the social media pages and the websites, but it's, you know, just like when we have enough time before we leave, you know, and we're struggle busting through it. Exactly. Exactly. It's not really understanding it. So I did take an online course, but I don't necessarily think it's necessary when, especially when you have your license, your on the job experience and just a passion for writing, but it was helpful for me. So, but aside from that, I didn't do anything like in, you know, journalism writing. I didn't have any additional uh, courses aside from my vet tech program. 
How, how does the timeline kind of play out for how many years of experience did you have under your belt before you started relying solely on the traveling, like as your, your full-time gig it, it, yeah. doing vet tech, actual vet tech work somewhere else? Definitely. Yeah. Cause I should mention that first um, travel opportunity that I did right out of school, it was an education-based program. I wasn't doing anything helpful for the animals. I was just kind of there watching, learning from vets. Yeah. So the first time that I actually, I did a month in Thailand in Copenhagen at a clinic I was about a year and a half into my ER experience. Okay. And I do always tell people that I do think that you should have a minimum of a year of experience before you dive into full-fledged volunteer work. I mean, also because you want to add as much value as you can to the rescue or clinic that you end up at, but also like for your own comfort as well. It's very daunting when you walk into an already new strange place. It's nice to have that comfort of, you know, falling on your safety net of your skills. So I do recommend at least a year. Yeah. So it was probably at least a year, year and a half before I actually felt comfortable enough to offer my skills as a vet tech, but I've been traveling full-time now for about three years. So, and I've, I started at the ER in 2015, so it's been a bit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. Make sure we've got some, you know, and something that just occurred to me, how do you deal with a language barrier? It's funny. So in Thailand, it doesn't impact me too much because what I found at least in, I have traveled a lot of places in Southeast Asia. That's kind of like my comfort zone. I don't know why I just really <laughs> love it. And I'm very spoiled in Southeast Asia because there is like an emphasis on learning English. Like a lot of kids go to school to learn English, things like that. Okay. But I will say when I traveled in Ecuador, oh my God, <laughs> it was the <laughs> hardest experience in terms of the language barrier. And I'm from Texas. So I do know a bit of Spanish, so I could get by, but it was definitely the most challenging But I wouldn't let a language barrier scare you because there's a lot of resources now. There's Google Translate. There's language learning apps that you can learn the basics. There's Google Maps that you can download your maps while you're off Wi-Fi so you don't have to worry about getting lost. I know it sounds really daunting, but I don't think it's scary enough to keep anyone from going, if (laughs) if that makes sense, you know? (laughs) I, okay. Okay. I think you have have a pretty big adventurous heart because it's all sounding so very scary to me, but I'm, I'm kind of a little home home body mouse. So I feel you for an example in Ecuador, the place that it was the hardest for me to deal with the language barrier for whatever reason, medical notes actually are typically really easy to figure out because there are a lot of the same medications, a lot. um, There's sometimes there's not a lot of words in different languages for each, and you'll recognize a lot of the diseases that they'll write. I don't know about everything, but that's what I experienced in Ecuador. And also Google translate is your friend. There were times (laughs) that I literally was walking up and we were communicating through Google translate, just like talking back and forth. And we got the job done and we had, you know, I had a wonderful experience. So it sounds daunting, I'm sure, but I promise it's actually not that bad when you dive into it. Yeah. Technology has (laughs) come such a long way. Yes. You're right. If it wasn't for technology, I don't know what. (laughs) And we've mentioned the first educational program you went into, you mentioned it a couple of times. Could, could you say it again, just for anybody who's listening and, and wants a little information to be able to look that up later? Yeah. For the, that tech program or the virtual assistant uh, one? The Thailand, the first one you did in Thailand. What did you say? Oh the yeah, name I'm of that sorry. It was a uh, loop abroad. Yeah. Loop okay. abroad. And they still, um, when I first started, it was only 
They only had um, experiences in Thailand, but now they are worldwide. And they also have courses that offer college credit now. So it's a really wonderful program to look into. And is it, am I hearing it right? Loop, like L-O-O-P? You can L-O-O-P abroad. L-O-O-P. Yeah, Loop okay. abroad. Cool. Yeah, so yeah. so maybe a good starting point if somebody wants to look look into it. Totally. And they organize group trips. So for it's a wonderful step into the travel space because you're not traveling solo and you're with a group of like-minded veterinary professionals. So it's, it's really great. And what about the type of work that you're doing now? So are, are we doing like dog cat clinics or what, what, what is it you're doing on the day-to-day now? Yeah. So my full-time job is still writing for different pet health websites. So I do still, I work full-time just remotely, but um, I work about four days a week. And then um, the rest of my time, I try to dedicate to volunteering. So now currently what I'm doing is I'm teaching uh, vet nurses at WBS Care for Dogs. It's a dog shelter that focuses primarily on um, reducing overpopulation of stray animals. So um, basically just kind of teaching their nurses like Western protocol and going over some things that they don't necessarily get to experience all the time because it's like an assembly line sterilization setting. Okay. So I'm teaching there. And then I also um, help a rescue called Adopt Meow that just focuses on um, pregnant moms, nursing moms, and kittens because they are everywhere in Chiang Mai, Thailand in general, and they don't typically have a rescue dedicated specifically to them. So I do, you know, the vaccinating, the deworming, um, going on field days with the owner around town to like vaccinate when needed. So that's what I do with my volunteer time. Great. You said you did elephant work initially, right? Any, any more of that recently or anything that I do with elephants, it's typically just like visiting, um, elephant sanctuaries and things like that. I have in the past done week long, um, or two week long, volunteer experiences where you stay at the rescue and learn from the vets and everything. But recently it's just been popping in for visits and stuff. I don't have much to offer in terms of skills when it comes to <laughs> elephants. And I will admit that I just love being around them. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And yeah. you mentioned that you're doing instruction for veterinary nurses there. So mm-hmm. my experience outside of the United States is pretty minimal, but I I do understand that credential technicians are not a real thing in lots of other countries. So how how do you deal with that? And what does that dynamic look like? Because these aren't, are are these or aren't these credentialed or potential credentialed nurses that you're working with? They're not credentialed and not even potential in these other countries. You're right. A lot of times being a vet nurse is a stepping stone to becoming a vet And even a lot of times the vets will do assistant work as well. So they'll kind of like just help each other out. But there's also, you'll see that there's really no no educational programs as a result. And if the people do end up just staying in the veterinary nursing role, they don't really get an opportunity to learn kind of like we have the opportunity back home. So they, you know, really benefit when people are able to travel and offer additional education or if they're able to get them, you know, enrolled in online courses and things like that. So yeah, there's not really an official title, at least where I've been. And yeah, that can be unfortunate for the vet nurses because they don't often get to do like continuing education in a lot of ways. How do you sort of sell your services then? How are you able to show your value before you start helping out at these prospective places? 
So it typically just involves dedicating my time and volunteering just like a normal person at first and showing what skills I have to offer, you know, that I'm, I'm dedicated to helping. That's typically how all of my experiences have started. I've just volunteered. Okay. I've gone to a location on my own time. Sometimes I do respond to specific ads on, um, there's a veterinary volunteering Facebook group. That's what it's called, veterinary volunteering. Okay. And every single day they post volunteer vacancies around the world. And sometimes even paid, I tell people to join that group all the time. Okay. Um, and yeah, so you can respond to specific needs if you want to, but otherwise I've just gone to locations, found rescues near me and asked if they needed help. And when they say, yes, I just go. And then it turns into something more sometimes. Cool. Sounds like in a nutshell, what you're doing is writing for things that are American based and yes. then spending all your lovely time in Thailand doing volunteer work on the ground. That's, that's the sum of your hands-on things, right? At this current moment in your, your yeah. career and your setup. Okay. 100%. All of my hands-on animal time is volunteer based at this point. So if somebody wanted to kind of follow in your footsteps, are there opportunity paid opportunities abroad? Definitely. You know, of course there is one thing to realize is that paid opportunities abroad typically don't pay as much as what we're used to making back home. Okay. So it's kind of, so for example, I did, I worked in Cambodia for um, about six months as a practice administrator there. And it was a paid opportunity, obviously not as much as back home, but I was at the point in my life where I was, you know, I, single, not married, no kids, no rent or anything like that. So I was able to just pick up my life and go and be a vet nurse in Cambodia and get paid to do it. There are clinics like that. Again, if, if you join that Facebook group that post all the time saying, Hey, we need a vet, or we need a vet nurse to come out here, live on site or nearby work full-time, get paid to do it. There's also charity organizations, for example, um, WVS, the dog shelter that I teach at, they have a bunch of vets that work there full-time. Some of them, most of them are from the UK, but those are paid positions as well. So I know that sometimes people think that there's no international opportunities that pay, but there's actually quite a lot. You just have to be willing to do a little bit of research and put yourself out there and create a lifestyle in which it's easy for you to go, if that yeah, makes sense. To, to be kind of readily available to just kind of pick up and, and be a little bit of a nomad, really, huh? Exactly, exactly. Because, you know, I totally understand when talking to some people, if just realistically their life isn't set up to allow for them to just up and go. And, and I realize that, but yeah. if you, if you're just starting your career and you think that this is something you want to get into, then think about, you know, something like maybe I won't sign a year long lease right now. Maybe I'll get like a really cheap car so it can be more realistic for me to manage whatever, you know, things like that. Um, that those are things that I always considered and it made it significantly easier for me to just up and go when I had the opportunity. Yes. I think those are really great points to bring up to, you know, like not getting into a lease, maybe even, you know, some jobs require a, a contract of some sort, uh, yeah. not getting ourselves tied down right away because that, that kind of is a segue into how do we get ourselves prepared to go? Right. So yeah. if you're looking at this and thinking about this, th those are good starting blocks, right. Kind of leaving ourselves a little bit footloose and fancy free there, but what other tips do you have to kind of be prepared to make this step or get going? Well, and another thing just to kind of add on to the previous kind of diving into the next portion as well is 
before I did start working remotely, I stepped back from my full-time position at the ER into simply being a relief technician. Uh So that way I could promise that, yeah, I'll be here for this amount of time, but don't put me on the schedule for years. And also you can work a bunch of shifts, you know, um, save up your money and then go. And there's, you know, in the States, in the UK, no matter where you are, there's a lot of opportunities to do that either individually for clinics or even like relief platforms that exist now. Yes. So being a relief technician is a really wonderful way. Once you have some experience under your belt to be a bit more nomadic and maybe make these travel decisions in the future. But yeah, so basically I guess just starting again, make your life to the point where it's easy to get up and leave if you need to. Reese, I'm so sorry if you hear the cat screaming in the background. Oh, your so cat would not be the okay. first animal guest okay. on my podcast. So welcome. Okay. Yeah. Easy yelling about something out there, <laughs> but um, yeah. So I guess, yeah, make it easy to get up and go decide what kind of opportunity you're looking for. Is it a two week long volunteer program? Is it a one month long, or do you want to go spend a year in another country? Think about what you're specifically looking for at this chapter in your life. And then look for opportunities online to start researching like crazy. Join volunteer Facebook, start following rescues and message them asking if they need help. So many of the opportunities I found was simply just me emailing them saying, hey, do you need a vet tech? These are my skills. These are my credentials. Let me know. And most of the time they say, hey, yeah, we could actually really benefit from some help. So put yourself out there. And then once you find a country of interest, Start researching that country and figure out what you need, visa-wise, vaccination-wise, whatever it may be, and just get going. Well, yeah, because, you know, other, like, more logistical, real-life things that I thought of was, you know, how do we find a a safe place to live, right? Because yeah, literally know nothing about this country, where the safe neighborhoods, the safe spaces, uh, different places have different offerings for transportation and how that affects your your um, monthly budget and things like that. And yeah. So how, how do you go about researching those kinds of things? Yeah. Again, Facebook, it is a saving (laughs) grace when it comes to things like this, you know, that's about one of the main things that Facebook is good for, for me anymore. Okay. Um, But Facebook groups and, you know, a good example of it is um, there's a group called girls love travel and there's other, you know, male equivalent groups as well, if they're interested. But for example, that's a group that's filled with like, I think almost a million travelers that you can post questions and they're so kind. Like I've gone on there before, before I moved to Cambodia, asking for specific experiences in Phnom Penh, what the typical cost of living is, um, any, you know, again, like transportation apps, like what should I do? And people will answer you and they're super helpful. And if there's a specific city that you're interested in, always just look in the Facebook search, just look up, for example, Chiang Mai, expats or Chiang Mai travelers, things of that nature, join those groups and ask questions. And people are always super keen to answer anything. And that can offer you, I mean, this, the answers for pretty much everything that you're looking for. But I think people would be surprised that even just looking on Google, um, type in any question you're looking for, maybe what is the monthly expense of rent in Cambodia? What is this? What is that? And you can typically find an answer for everything. Yeah. In the age of Google, it's really not hard to figure out kind of plan things down. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. So I always like, before I would start a trip, I would make a list of all of my questions, just write it down and then just start going through and through exploring Facebook, looking on Google, talking to rescue specifically asking these questions. And I've typically been able to figure everything out that I need 
and the rest you just pick up along the way. Google. We keep coming yeah. back to Google. So just be really good friends with Google. I'm not very good friends with Google. That's why this all kind yeah. of blows my mind. I'm not really sure I'm how you find your answers, but uh, you must ask. It's, there's a website for everything. There's a website for everything. Like for example, there's um, a website specifically for digital nomads that if you just look, if you type in Chiang Mai monthly living expenses for digital nomads, it'll pop up and they have for every single city in the world, they'll have a page that tells you the cost of living, if internet's good, if there's a lot of cafes to work from, what the lifestyle is, like as far as like partying or retirement or whatever. <laughs> there's literally, they have an answer for everything. So I'm telling you, if you have a question, somebody's made a website about it and you can, you can get your answers. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, is there anything else that you'd like our listeners to know about kind of what you're doing, what you're up to, anything else you think would benefit folks who would kind of be looking down this, this path? Again, kind of, you know, similar to the questions that you've been asking me, a lot of people just don't know how to find opportunities. And I understand that because most of my ease in finding them is because I've done it many times. <laughs> So I actually, um, just a couple of weeks ago, I started a program, I call it the veterinary travel scout program, where, um, basically what I do is I send people who enroll, I send them a detailed questionnaire. It involves everything from what your role is. Are you credentialed? I have a list of skills that I have them check that they feel comfortable performing, what country you're interested in, how long you want to be there, everything. And based on those answers, I provide a list of five detailed options options of different volunteer opportunities for you that fit what you're looking for. And, you know, I find that really all it takes is one opportunity to really get your foot into the door and understand how these things work. Once you go on your first adventure, you're going to be hooked. You're going to really just be like, okay, this, this wasn't as bad as I thought it was like, this is actually quite a breeze and I love it. And then it's not so scary when you move forward. So I try to do that first batch of research for people and then kind of, they can go from there. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that sounds like an amazing service one. And and before I go off on a tangent, veterinary travel scout, I, I think I know the answer, but how can they find this? Just Google it. So it's just on my Instagram right now. It's okay. Just kind of okay. getting started. Yeah. Okay. Just okay. send me a message. Yeah. It's, I literally just started it two weeks ago. So still kind okay. of figuring out the ins and outs of it, but yeah, I've had like five people sign up, which is really exciting. And yeah, nice. yeah. It's going really well so far. Well, yeah, I think that's great because I think that that would be the most daunting part is just how in the world do I even do step one? Like what even is step one? Right. And that just, that seems like the most daunting part to me that then, yeah, I I think you're right. Once they get their foot in the door, then they're like, oh, okay, this is not really that big of a deal. So, and I also do have an ebook too, that I made, it's called how to travel in vet med. And it literally is it answers all those first questions that you have. Like, what do I even do when I volunteer? What type of volunteer opportunities are there? How do I prepare once I pick my location? And what do I do for visa vaccines? What supplies do I need? It answers yeah. all those questions. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Cause I'm sure packing the first time too, you just take everything yeah. because, because you're yeah. just like, I don't even everything know. Yeah. Everything. Or I've been on the other end, like hardly anything that I need. And I get there and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so ridiculous. So yeah, it's kind of basically everything that I've learned through trial and error. Cause I've made a lot of mistakes along the way. Yeah. And um, yeah, so it's, it's nice to at least <laughs> offer all of my mistakes and they can be helpful for other people now. <laughs> there is some value in the huge amount of mistakes. Yeah. Sometimes you feel like oh, unique yeah. as a human being. <laughs> right. I've made a lot of them. So <laughs> 
That's awesome. Great. Well, yeah, definitely take a trip over to Amber's Instagram page to check out either of those resources. If you guys have questions and want to get started, uh, I'm sure Amber, you're probably open to some direction there too. People want to shoot you a message to, to get them the right direction for your products there. I'm sure. Always. All right. So we're kind of wrapping up here for today. I do like my guests to leave a tip or a trick for our listeners, anything from medicine stuff to personal stuff, something that you didn't learn in school, but you've learned on the job and has drastically changed your life as a technician. Got anything for us? In terms of just managing and protecting your mental health moving forward, because this is a very emotionally challenging job is I suggest if you are new in this field, try to set boundaries the moment you step into your clinic or your career, whatever it may be, because it's a lot easier to set these boundaries initially. And nobody's surprised later on um, when you suddenly decide, okay, I'm drained. I actually need to set some boundaries. Nobody's shocked (laughs) by these new plans. So if you immediately from the start realize your worth, your time is precious, your mental health is precious, then just lay out some boundaries that you think will benefit your personal life. Just make sure those things are known from the start because it will save you a lot of pain and suffering in the end and a lot of exhaustion in the end and any confusion that comes along with not having them from the start. Yes. Yes. Boundaries. I, I'm a huge supporter of boundaries for sure. Cause you know, I've been there, done that same as everybody else. I got out of school. I was over eager. I worked anytime they asked me to, and it it wasn't even asking at a certain point, right? Like you, Mm -hmm. you go so far down that horrible bad road that at a certain point, like I distinctly remember the morning I was like, oh gosh, I've went too far. When my, my boss, the owner DVM texts me and says, we have a, you coming in needs a C-section. Can you do general anesthesia on it? And and it was wanting me to come in two hours early. Right. Yeah. I only live like five yeah. minutes away, but it was like, oh no. <laughs> so yeah. yes, early and, totally. and set the good boundaries early on the good expectations. So that's awesome. hundred percent. And there's nothing wrong with having boundaries. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. It's respected. Honestly, I look up to people who had strict boundaries and oh God. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, it seems weird and mean at first, but it, it's, it's for yeah. the longevity. You, you can't go a million miles an hour, your entire career and, and live 100%. to see the end of it. Totally agree. (laughs) Yeah. So that wraps us up for today, guys. Amber, thank you so much for joining us today. I have learned so much. I'm sure everybody else has learned so much. Thank you for your time. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was fun. (laughs) And don't forget to give Amber a follow vet tech and travel on Instagram. If you want to keep up with her happenings, check out some of her great new products she has to help you guys get started. You can also give me a follow on Instagram and Facebook, Kendra the Vet Tech. You can check out my website too. Check out the great products I have there, including my veterinary telephone triage flip book to help out your practice with some history collection via phone. If you have any questions, other things you'd like to learn about, do feel free to shoot me a message on social media or via email, Kendra the Vet Tech at gmail.com. Thanks, guys. <laughs>